Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.
Good morning. Welcome to the Automotive Properties REIT 2021 Third Quarter Financial Results Conference Call and Webcast. My name is Grant and I'll be the conference operator today. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following management's remarks, we will conduct a question and answer session. Please be aware that certain information discussed today may be forward-looking in nature. Should forward-looking information reflect the REIT's current views with respect to future events? Any such information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking information. For more information on the risks, uncertainties, and assumptions relating to forward-looking information, please refer to the REIT's latest MDMA and annual information form, which are available on CDAR. Management may also refer to non-IFRS financial measures. Although the REIT believes that these measures provide useful supplemental information about financial performance, there are no recognized measures and do not have standardized meanings under IFRS. Again, please refer to the REIT's latest MD&A for additional information regarding non-IFRS financial measures. This call is being recorded on Friday, November 12, 2021. I would like to turn the conference over to Milton Lamb. Please go ahead, Mr. Lamb. Great. Thank you, Grant. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. On the call with me is Andrew Calra, our Chief Financial Officer. Our positive business momentum continued in the third quarter. This was supported by the resiliency of the automotive dealership industry, which continues to drive strong margins and solid levels of sales and service activity throughout the pandemic. According to DeRosier Automotive Consultants, new automotive sales in Canada increased by 15.2% for the nine months ending September 30th compared to the same period a year ago. The number of <clears throat> this number combined with revenues generated from used car sales and service highlights how successfully dealership operators have responded to the COVID-related business restrictions through measures such as enhanced e-commerce solutions and streamlined operations. Our portfolio remains fully leased and we're collecting 100% of contractual base rent under our leases plus contractual base rent that is due under any remaining deferral agreements. Our total remaining tenant deferral receivables under the agreements is less than $0.03 million at the end of the third quarter, and we expect this amount to be fully repaid by the end of the year. We generated growth across all of our key performance measures in the third quarter. In comparison to Q3 of last year, our property rental revenue grew by 4.5%, cash NOI increased by 4.9%, same property cash NOI was up 1.9%, and AFFO per unit, diluted, increased to 22.5 cents from 22.1 cents last year. At quarter end, our debt to GBV ratio was 40.1 percent down from 43.2 percent at the end of 2020 and 44.8 percent at the end of Q3 of last year. We remain well positioned to deploy the capital on any available growth opportunities. The capitalization rate applicable to the entire portfolio was at 6.4 percent at quarter end, a reduction of approximately 10 basis points from the second quarter. The reduction reflects a decrease 
and discount rates used for our properties in the greater Vancouver area and Alberta by approximately 25 basis points during the quarter and other reductions in discount rates for specific properties in specific markets. Reductions were primarily due to industry-wide single-tenant, retail, and industrial capitalization rate reductions. To put the 6.4% cap rate number in perspective, I would note that this is only 10 basis points lower than the 6.5% cap rate we used back in 2018. As provincial COVID-19-related restrictions continue to ease, we anticipate that pent-up consumer demand will continue to support Canadian new and used auto sales and service work performed by the dealerships. The pandemic has also impacted the vehicle supply chain, resulting in constraints on specific parts, models, and brands. We believe these supply constraints will continue in the near future, but will not have a material impact on our tenants as these supply constraints are offset by the strength of dealer margins, including strength in used car sales. I'd now like to turn it over to Andrew Calra to review our financial results and position in more detail. Andrew. Thanks, Milton, and good morning, everyone. Our property rental revenue for the quarter totaled $19.5 million. The 4.5% increase from Q3 2020 reflects growth from properties acquired during and subsequent to Q3 last year and contractual annual rent increases. Total cash NOI and same property cash NOI for the quarter total $16 and $15.4 million, respectively, reflecting increases of 4.9 and 1.9% compared to Q3 a year ago. Growth in cash NOI was primarily attributable to acquisitions and contractual rent increases. Growth in same property cash NOI primarily reflects contractual rent increases. GNA expenses for the quarter were approximately 6.9%, of cash NOI compared to 6.6% in Q3 last year. Higher GNA expense in Q3 this year was attributable to the REIT's growth and to the vesting of the previously issued deferred units. Net income for the quarter increased to $30.8 million compared to $4.4 million in Q3 last year, reflecting higher NOI and $22.3 million fair value adjustment for investment properties. The adjustment reflects a cap rate reduction that Milton mentioned and discussed. FFO and AFFO for the quarter increased by 4.5 and 6.5% respectively compared to Q3 last year. FFO per unit diluted was 23.7 cents in a quarter compared to 23 cents in Q3 a year ago, and FFO per unit increased to 22.5 from 22.1 cents in Q3 a year ago. This growth was primarily due to properties acquired during and subsequent to Q3 a year ago and contractual rent increases. The REIT paid total distributions of $9.85 million, or 20.1 cents per unit in the quarter, representing an AFFO payout ratio of 91%. This compares to total distributions paid of $9.6 million, or 20.1 cents per unit in Q3 last year, representing an AFFO payout ratio of 93.5%. The AFFO payout ratio was lower this quarter, primarily due to contractual rent increases. The higher AFFO payout ratio in Q3 was also reflected by the temporary diluter effect of the December 2019 equity offering. 
At quarter end, we had a strong financial liquidity position with $5 million in cash, $75 million approximately of undrawn credit facilities, seven unencumbered properties with an aggregate value of approximately $103.2 million, providing us with additional financial flexibility and a debt to GBE ratio of 40.1%. We had $396.3 million of outstanding debt at quarter end with an effective weighted average interest rate of 3.72%. We have a well-balanced level of annual maturities and our weighted average interest rate swap and mortgage term is 5.4 years with a weighted average trend to maturity of debt of 3.1 years, similar to the end of Q3 2020. I'd like to turn the call back to Milton for closing remarks. Thank you. Good. Thanks, Andrew. We've continued to collect 100% of our October and November 2021 contractual base rent, plus the rent that is due under the remaining deferral agreement. As COVID-19 vaccinations continue to increase across Canada and the economy strengthens, we feel confident that the industry consolidation will start to accelerate. This should present attractive opportunities for us to continue expanding our portfolio and drive growth in AFFO per unit. Given our strong balance sheet position and the strength of our existing portfolio, we can pursue acquisitions on a strategic basis through debt financing and available liquidity. That concludes our remarks. I'd now like to open the line for questions. Grant, please go ahead. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touch-tone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by the two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Scott Thompson from CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, morning. Just a quick question on the uh, automotive supply chain issue issues. Yeah. Uh, have they had any impact on your discussions with acquisition targets? I mean, I, I realize that there's no, or at least little, uh, uh, impairment to the, your tenants' ability to pay their leases. But just wondering if it's uh, bringing timing either forward or back on, uh, yeah. on discussions. Yeah. It, interesting question because. You, you are kind of right. Um, there has been some impact in the quiet discussions from them saying they're in no rush to close until they are confident that there's inventory both in the used and the new. Um, as you know, we, we went from you know a year ago looking over a bit of a, a ledge saying what does this mean and a bit of a concern to you know a bit of elation now uh, and people are that well if we're going to pay numbers based on today's profitability, we want to make sure there's inventory that we can sell so we can continue the profitability. So it's certainly, I don't know if it has had a, you know, direct measurable impact, but I certainly think that there's a quiet impact where no one's in a rush. Um, And traditionally remember that uh, first quarter is always some of the slowest sales periods and lower profitability for most dealer operations. They really start making money in Q2, Q3, and, you know, go from there. So do, do you expect that there's going to be kind of a, um, 
a little wave of uh, of deals when when the supply chain issues uh, normalize. And I, I'm going to go back to you know looking at real estate when we've seen kind of quiet periods uh, as there's been a, a change in the baseline. When there's a gap in buy sell, normally there's a lag, and once you see two or three deals, that sets the new benchmarks, and then there seems to be a flurry of deals. Um, we're certainly seeing that in the states, and you know I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but I certainly think it is going to. Uh, and you're right, once people start printing the new numbers, it tends to give both vendors and buyers confidence um, to actually strike and get deals done. Thanks, Milton. That's helpful. I'll turn it over. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Jonathan Kelcher from TD. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good day. Um, just continuing on with uh, the Scott's questions. I guess um, historically, you, you've done a lot of your acquisitions. Um, you, you almost have your own seasonality, Q4, Q1. Uh, do you think that gets pushed back a little bit? Obviously, it's a very open question with six weeks left, um, or I should say a very pointed yeah. question with six weeks left. Um, you know, I mean, that seasonality continues to be there. Does it get pushed back a bit? Uh, it could very easily, but uh, people do like doing deals, and you know, the, the chatter always increases at this time of the year, and hopefully we can take advantage of that. Okay. Um, and then just secondly, um, you, you guys have lots of liquidity. Your leverage is, is 40%. Yeah. How, how high would you be comfortable taking the, the leverage? You know, we've talked about it before that as we continue to mature, um, we, we've always liked to, you know, reduce our FFO sorry, reduce our leverage and slowly increase our AFFO per units. So kind of take a, a, use a little of the proceeds for both buckets. Uh, we continue to, we continue to like that strategy. Um, you know, but in the low, low fifties, 50% world, uh, we're, we're still very com uh, comfortable. It really depends on what we're seeing on the pipeline as well. Okay. So you're, you're, you're happy using a, a good chunk of your liquidity then? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on what we're seeing on pipeline, but we, we're putting ourselves somewhere in that 150 to $200 million of you know, availability to go out and do acquisitions. Okay, I'll uh, turn it back, thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Matt Loken from the Royal Bank of Canada. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good, yeah. Um, Milton, as inflation starts to pick up, can you remind us like what sort of ballpark you, of like percentage of your leases are indexed to inflation versus what percentage are kind of on fixed rent escalators? <laughs> it's, it's funny because Andrew and I, when we were writing the MDNA, we certainly looked at that. And we're debating whether or not to kind of put that board. Um, you know, if if you look back, a number of them had a lag before the CPI kicked in. But certainly in 2018, a number of the acquisitions we did, uh, we looked at wanting to balance, you know, set escalators with some CPI. Um, so it, it's certainly in there, and you can, you know, see it starting to reflect on our same property growth as, 
coincidentally, inflation starts kicking in at the same time as some of our uh, acquisitions coming in, coming into the world of taking advantage of that CPI. Um, but as of yet, we haven't specifically disclosed, disclosed what that percentage is. Um, but you can imagine, you know, Delari's numbers, everyone knows, is 1.5. Okay, fair enough. I just thought I'd ask. Um, maybe carrying on that in a slightly different uh, context. Yeah. What impact do you think wage pressure and inflation will have on the industry consolidation? Like, will those trends hit the smaller operators perhaps a little bit harder? And could that drive more M&A? Uh, that, that's interesting. It's partly wage inflation, but it's also, you know, adopting technology and pushing more towards the omnichannel. I think your underlying um, costs, if you are a consolidator and have bulk, uh, you can control them a lot more than if you are a, you know, one, two, three uh, operator. Um, so I certainly think that, and I don't think that's just the dealership model. I think overall, if you're talking about a lot of industries, um, you know, the consolidation is going to push. In some ways, I would see the dealership world as lagging in the consolidation and a lot of other industries. So the short answer is, you know, what you brought up absolutely comes into play. But at the same time, there's other costs that are going up um, that if you can consolidate, it lowers G&A overall. Uh, and they're certainly seen that since... COVID with uh, lower employee numbers and higher technology use, that has a bit of an advantage when you are a large group. And maybe changing gears here, we talked a little bit about acquisitions. In terms of yeah. funding dealership upgrades, you know, Volkswagen being one of your larger tenants has a plan to launch almost 70 new EVs in the next decade. Like, what sort of a kind of run rate figure could we see allocated to dealer upgrades kind of on an annual basis over the next two or three years? Uh, electrification has a part of it. Um, more it's when you're seeing, you know, they, they have the box, white box front. So if it is more of a significant imaging, uh, that probably costs as much or probably more than the electrification. Um, and you know, a lot of them will tie it. They want the image upgrade at the same time as putting in new charging stations. Um, that, that does fall into the dealer's uh, costs. Uh, if they are coming near renewal and want to talk to us about extensions, uh, we can certainly look at funding it. And we've, we've done that before as long as we see that they're adding value and we're getting a, a return for doing it. Um, but as of yet, we don't have a run rate or don't have indications on that. Okay, well, I appreciate the commentary. I'll turn it back. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Joanne Chen from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good, did I? Um, just a quick one, just going back on the acquisition uh, pipeline right now. Um, just the opportunities that you're seeing, would you think that it's mostly you're seeing more opportunities kind of in a tuck-in, or would you be... Are there opportunities for larger portfolio sales right now? Or is we it just activities not picking up yet? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I mean, surprisingly, we haven't seen uh, a significant amount of portfolio deals. I mean, the, the okay. Lithia one for FAF um, was good to see. Lithia mostly owns their own real estate, but we were fortunate enough that we owned, uh, have them now in our portfolio because of the uh, the FAF Audi in Vaughan. 
<clears throat> so it was nice to get them into the tenant roster. Um, but you would think that kind of when that pushes and, you know, to, to Matt's question on the underlying costs, you know, when is that going to accelerate? We anticipate seeing it. I'm just uh, surprised we haven't seen it yet and look forward to when it does. In the meantime, yeah, you're going to see some singles and doubles that occur. Um, but okay. APR really comes into play when it's a portfolio. Okay. That's great. And just going back, uh, not to keep harping on the supply chain issue, but, you know, you, you did yeah. mention before, too, that, you know, margins obviously have or have been good for the dealers. But, yeah. So that's offsetting um, that pressure. But um, is, has there been a – have you noticed that there's been a significant pickup on the used car sales that's continued as well that's helping to offset some of that? There is, but I would make, you know, the same sort of comment on supply constraints there. Um, I just had to buy a car, and it was a real headache to find something that kind of worked. Um, so, you know, the, the dealers are getting proactive. They're calling people of one year, two years left on their lease and offering to trade it in and get them a new car. Um, so they're, they're certainly doing what they can to push margins. Um, it's interesting, the balance, because as going into 22, uh, the supply chain opens up a bit. It means they're going to get greater number of cars, and arguably you can say the margins will change a bit. Um, so, right. you know, revenues go up, profits remain the same, margins goes down, and it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But from our perspective, are we looking forward, feeling confident that dealers are making money, and therefore we will have no issue with, with rental? Um, yeah, we're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, exactly where they get the profits, you know, that that is going to change. Okay, got it. Okay. And I guess um, with the inflationary inflationary environment right now, um, are you guys increasing on renewals any of your annual rent escalators what, in conjunction with that? We've only had the one renewal, um, and the next mm -hmm. one's 26. So it's, okay. the, the short answer is I'd like to. The, the longer answer yeah. is okay. i got to wait. Okay. Okay, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, okay, that's it for me. Thank you very much, guys. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Himanshu Gupta. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. Good. Uh, so, if the on the acquisition side, you know, if yeah. the acquisition pipeline dries up or slows down in the near term, uh, what else can you do to add value? I mean, any expansion on any of the properties? Uh, have you looked into that? Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's material, and it's certainly not driven by us knocking on their door. It's driven by the tenants knocking on our door and saying, you know, can we? Um, I kind of go back to one of the questions an investor asked not that long ago, which is, you know, are you going to be one of those companies that feels pressured to do an acquisition because people are saying do acquisitions uh, and then do something you shouldn't? And I kind of laughed and said, you know, I've been 20 to 30 years in the industry. It takes a lot longer to unwind and there's a lot more pressure to unwind bad deals than it is to, you know, not have anything exciting to talk about for a couple quarters. Um, I said it then, and I still believe it now. So, um, you know, is there going to be opportunities to expand on the existing portfolio in the near term before we do acquisitions? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a material number. Got it. And if I look at, you know, the Dixie Auto Mall, I think yeah. two premises are unoccupied. I know you're collecting rent, uh, but yep. do you have an option to reposition that and probably increase the rent on that unoccupied uh, space? We have one lease on that. That is for the entire 
entire Dixie Auto Mall, uh, okay. and that resides with Delari. So, um, you know, they have decisions internally on do they want to lease it to a third party or do they want to take advantage of that opportunity to potentially drop in a tenant or a, an operations that they control. So, you know, that that's not in our world. Um, we like getting the one check and having the surety of 100%. Um, certainly, we'll we'll work with them depending what they want to do, as long as we get a, a return for doing it. But I think uh, that absolutely resides in their world, and I'm not upset about that at all. Got it. Uh, and then, will you consider expanding into the U.S. at all? I mean, given where we are standing today, I mean, I saw you know Auto Canada they recently bought something in the U.S. as well. Uh, so maybe yeah. they're also seeing shortage of you know, how many opportunities back home. Uh, is that coming to your mind at all? Yeah, I, I think it would be, you, know, you don't want to say no to things. And certainly if you look in the States, uh, there's no one, there's only one other group that focuses solely on automotive retail. Um, I, I think there would be opportunities there. Um, I think it would have to be strategic. We'd do it for the right reason as opposed to saying we're going to do it just to do it. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's a hard no, and I wouldn't say we're in any rush. Got it. Okay. And probably the last question, and again, you know, all the discussion has been on M&A. Uh, so uh, the slower M&A, uh, is that a supply chain issue or is that a cost of capital issue? I mean, if I if I look at cost of capital for auto dealers, that has improved quite a bit. Yep. So do they really need to rely on someone else to provide capital for the rooftops now? I, I think it's a combination of a number of things. Part of it is they've swung from, you know, what does this mean as COVID hit to, wow, I didn't expect it to be this good. Um, and so what's the normalized? So that's where the buy-sell gap is occurring, and therefore there's a bit of a delay. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look around the industry, um, it's now viewed as a bit more of an essential retail, essential service. Um, financing is more comfortable. Banks are more comfortable lending to them. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of these groups are sitting on profits slash equity. Um, so there, there's going to be a bit of that, but there's money in the bank that they've got to spend, and then there's opportunities as they continue to spend. So we certainly think that there's a place for us. Um, we're seeing a bit of a delay as people figure out the buy-sell and take advantage of the equity that they have on their books. All right. Thank you, Reza. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed, Mr. Lamb. That's great. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to chatting soon. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.